Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Their Pitch is a women's football podcast in collaboration with Adidas Football. And recently, Adidas just released a new shoe called Predator Edge, which is part of a Sapphire pack together with the X shoe and Copa. Mia, what do you think about Predator Edge? Yeah, now that I've seen it up close, because since uh, it launched, I've seen it in action on a footballer and I, I like it. It's looking good. Yeah, I think the color just pops. I, I think the color is amazing. And yeah, it's just an all around nice shoe. We have reached the fifth episode of Their Pitch. We really hope that you have enjoyed the episodes with Wilde Börisa, Hanna Glas, Olga Achtinen and Elin Landström so far. We love when you leave reviews and we hope that you have subscribed to us already. In this episode we speak with a Danish national team player that plays in England and in the Women's Super League. This week's Their Pitch player is Denmark and Everton defender Rikke Seveke. Seveke is a flexible defender that can serve both as a fullback and as a centre-back. She established herself as a professional player in Brøndby IF in the Danish top flight back in 2015. She had a six-month spell playing college football in the US for the University of Northwestern Ohio in 2017 before returning to Denmark and finish her contract with Brøndby. Seveke has also played one season in France with FC Fleury and in the summer of 2020 she joined Everton to play in England. Seveke has made 36 appearances for Denmark and has scored 4 goals. You are listening to their pitch and this is the Rikke Seveke episode. So can we get a correct pronunciation of your full name? Rikke Lindva Seveke. One more time. Rikke Lindva Seveke. Our first Danish guest, Rike. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. So we we do this thing on this podcast where we we get a quote from somebody who knows you very well on the field, maybe sometimes off the field even. So I'm gonna read this quote for you and then you can you can guess who it is. No pressure if you don't get it. It's gonna be totally fine. A lot of pressure now. Oof is a good all-around defender. She has the pace. She's strong both on the ground and in the air. She can play out from the back with accurate short and long passes. Although she can't play the position fullback, in my opinion, her best position is a central defender. She has huge potential, but to do that, she has to develop her skills as a leader. <laughs> Who do you think that is? My national team coach. <laughs> that is correct. 
we want to get to know you. And you started your professional career in... Brøndby in Denmark. I'm doing it. Brøndby, yeah, doing it with my Swedish accent right there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that when you first, you know, came to the team? How was that, the environment? and? Yeah, uh, well, it was just different coming from my old club uh, than coming to Brøndby where we were one of the top teams in Denmark. And yeah, like winning every game was actually something you had to do and it wasn't whereas before it would be when you won a game it was like one out of ten <laughs> where in Brumby you have to win ten out of ten every time uh, so like the level and professionalism is just yeah so much better than what I came from uh, and then also the girls and the mentality they had was uh, different as well and i just learned a lot from that. So I'm grateful to, to have been playing there. And I was there for four and a half years. So that's pretty long, I think. When you're coming there, you know, you got to win 10 out of 10. Did you feel the pressure to perform every single game? Well, uh, I kind of got thrown out into it right away because we played. I think my first one of the first game was the Champions League game. And uh, the girl that usually played left back she had a, a quarantine uh, from yellow cards. So I had to start that game and it was just like, oh, okay, start right away. <laughs> But I think that was good because then you just have to be there and you just have to be 100% ready. So I actually think it was the best way to start. It's a it's a very important game to start. Yeah, I'm going to have to jump in there because you said left back. Yeah, it was left back, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you you you're on the right side today, right? Yeah, well, I can use both left and right, but which one do you prefer? Well, I am naturally right-footed, so right side, I would say, but I don't mind playing on the left either. So, you said when we were first, one of your first games was a Champions League. It was your first game with the team, right? Yeah, yeah, we played against Linköping. Ooh, that's where Mia lives. Yeah. And it was actually when Penilla Hada played there as well. How was that to play against her? Now you guys play on the same like it was fun because <laughs> we won. <laughs> Then you went you went to college, Northwestern Ohio. Yeah. How how did that come about? Like why Ohio? Well, I knew two Danish girls. One of them were already there, and then the other one was coming at the same time as me. Uh, and I knew them pretty well. Uh, still know them pretty well. <laughs> So I guess they contacted me and then I saw it as an opportunity to try that. I always wanted to experience college in some way, like six months or longer. Uh, and then when I had the chance, I just had to say yes. So did these, do you say you knew two girls and you still know them today? Are they playing football as well? Or uh, they actually stopped. One of them are playing. Uh, on a bit lower level now, uh, but still playing. And then the other one stopped to become a police officer. You played college football for six months. How come you only stayed in the U.S. for half a year? Because uh, I had a contract with Brambu, so oh. it was as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to like the youth career uh, with the national team. You played most steps, right? U17, U19. Yeah. Yeah, I think it starts at 
under 16, then 17, 19. And then we have like a 23 team, but it's not like, I think you have two camps every year or something. Uh, so from 19, you go to, yeah, the senior team. So you've, you've followed all those steps. Um, do you feel like maybe that's been important for your career and for you as a player to naturally, you know, take the U16, U17, 19 and not maybe straight like jump into the national team as a 17 year old, like some people do? Mm, yeah. I, I think that's what developed me as well, uh, as a person and as a player. And when you like grow up in that, uh, style, like that play, you, you kind of get it, I don't know how to say it, but under your skin, like you, you learn how to do stuff in a certain way on and off the pitch. Uh, and that's also why a lot of the girls on the team now, like all of us know each other so well. And even though there are new ones coming in, they already know the system and know how we want to do things. So it just makes it really easy to adapt and to become a great team. We're going to talk about your national team a bit more in a second, but yeah. I want to start off with the professional career because we started with Brumby and then we went to college <laughs> and then we went back to Denmark yeah. then we and just then we went to France. France. How was that? Uh, why France and why FC Fleury, right? Yeah, uh, I just think it was a, a good step to get out of Denmark uh, and to start my like career uh, abroad. Uh, and I knew it was going to be a small step, but that step could get me even further. Uh, so the main goal has always been coming to England. Uh, I've re always enjoyed watching the English league and what's the level and the professionalism there is here and how like all the fans are so much more engaged to the, to the football here, even the women's football. Uh, so, yeah, that's always been one of the things I wanted to try. Uh, and going to France, I knew that would help me develop and to get seen as well as a player. Was a part of your plan to get seen, maybe go to, I mean, France, as you know, as we all know, maybe one of the more developed leagues in Europe. And Fleury maybe is like a little smaller team, maybe not as well known. Did that maybe affect your choice of like choosing Flurry as a team in order to get more playing time and to maybe finally get to England? Yeah, and I also knew that the French league was really good. So like uh, it was also coming to a league that was good, but also coming to a team where I would play a lot. So yeah, like a mix of both. You went to England. How did that come about? Like take us through the process. You're playing in France. Maybe your agent calls you and is like, Everton wants you or any other or some other team in England. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was a really hectic year also because of COVID. Uh, yeah, I think we left France in March or something. And then we just had so many months without like training with a team or without playing football. It was just such a weird time. Uh, and then at the same time, I had to find another club and it was just like this, oh, <laughs> confusing. And yeah, but I knew when I had options from England, like that was what I wanted to, like where I wanted to go. And like, I was sure that I was going to pick a team from England. So it was just w which team. 
it was going to be. You, you say which team and then you say options. Did you have any other offers of like teams that wanted you in England? Yeah, but I think Everton was the one that was the most specific. And that's also, it was really easy for me to choose Everton. And I talked with the coach at the time, uh, Willie, uh, and he just convinced me to come. So, Because... Because you, you say Willie Kirk and that he convinced you. And in an interview, he said that he believes that you and the future that, that in the future that you can become one of the best center backs in the world. You just need to develop on some things. And he thinks that you could do that in in Everton. And how exactly did that conversation go with him? Because you, you're saying that he convinced you. But what actually what made you choose Everton? Like what? <laughs> What little thing did he say that was like that that made you be like, yeah, yeah, I want to go there. Well, yeah, uh, well, because of COVID, I couldn't come and see Finch Farm, whereas we train and stuff, uh, and I couldn't come see the stadium and all that, uh, meet the team or the staff. Uh, so it was all over Zoom, uh, <laughs> and it was a bit different, but I mean. He made this big PowerPoint and like showed me everything. And I think it was just really cool. And he talked about like a plan and development plan for me and for the team. And I just think it sounded like a really exciting and interesting project to be a part of. So, yeah. Can I just jump in here? Because I think it, it's kind of interesting that there has been several players from Everton saying exactly what you have been saying and about Willie Kirk and, and Everton as a club. Um, do you think that they, they have a good strategy to recruiting players? I mean, if you did have options from other clubs, I mean, this is the part of where the first contact with, with the club has to be and feel good. Mm. I just think the Everton is really good at being on the same level as you, if you can say it like that. Uh, like they're good at meeting, meeting you in the height you're in and like trying to make you feel welcome and a part of a family. Uh, and I think that's what like convinced me as well. Like being a part of, of Everton, uh, and like, yeah developing this project to being even better uh yeah i found that really interesting and i'm a googler as we know i like to google things um so i found that little quote that i just um that i read from willie but i also when i googled your name i also found another thing that said in 2017 you said in an interview that your biggest dream is to play abroad that's four years ago now would you say you've achieved that? Well, I am playing abroad, so some people would say I achieved that. <laughs> uh, but I think there's just so many places you can go and so many things you can experience. So I'm not done yet. Uh, and I hope that I get to experience a lot more uh, than what I've have been so far. Uh, so I would say it's half achieved. So what would what would what would the next step be then for you to fully achieve that? Mm, don't know, like just try something different maybe at some point to try and win like 
the WSL or FA Cup final or yeah, things like that. Playing in the Champions League again. I, that's one of the things I really liked in Brembo. Yeah, I mean, you were quite close last season when you played the FA Cup final. Yeah, so close. Yeah, but, can you just oh. tell us about that experience? Because, I mean, when we are recording this, like yesterday, it was an FA Cup final at Wembley. Yeah. And, and I just read uh, now that it was one and a half million viewers on television and it was like 41,000. Yeah, and there was like 52,000 in the stadium. And then we played in front of zero fans. So that was super. <laughs> yeah, it was really sad. But again, COVID. So yeah, it stopped a lot last year and it's still stopping some things. <laughs> uh, but I was actually sick uh, doing the, the final. So I was sick two days before and two days after. Uh, and then on the day as well. Uh, so I didn't get to experience that much. Uh, when people ask me, I'm always like, well, I just remember playing 90 minutes and trying not to throw up. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. we're sorry Dude. about that. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. It was actually really sad, but I mean, I still got to play at Wembley and it was an amazing experience. So, and there are many more chances for that to happen again in front of a full crowd. Hopefully. <laughs> we covered your professional career. You're in Everton right now. You guys are doing good. But we're going to talk about what's coming up. And in the summer, it's your first championship. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm really excited. It's the Euros, right? You're talking about yeah, yeah, it's the Euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. I I didn't get to play in the last Euros in 2017, so this is going to be my first Slutrunde. Uh, I have really high <laughs> hopes for the fans and the energy in the Euros. So I know that uh, like Sweden is playing around Manchester. Where where do Denmark play? Yours. We play in London. We play uh, at Brentford's stadium, and then we play uh, an hour or something away from London in one game, and then we come back to Brentford as well in the last one. It's kind of like on home soil because you live in England now, so it's not like your home country. But yeah, yeah, I feel like it's kind of a home. Uh, I was. Kind of hoping for us to be playing in Manchester because that's really close to Liverpool. Uh, so it would be, would be easy for my family and boyfriend to come there. But at the same time, I was hoping for us to play in London because it's London <laughs> and there's so many people and it's going to be a big stadium. So that's going to be fun. I can't wait for the Euros. Actually, I'm, I have super high expectations of that. I feel like. It's going to be a tournament like no other. Yeah, me too. <laughs> in 2019, you had been in and out of the national team, then have like a safe spot with the team. You were in and out of camps, and there was a conflict with the federation between the players and the federation. Um, how was that time for you, knowing that you didn't have a a stable position on the team? Yeah, it was uh, obviously a bit confusing because then you're in one camp 
and you get a lot of info and then the next camp you're not there and you don't really know what's going on. Uh, but it was just like all of us players were just like together about it. And uh, even though you weren't a uh, part of the team all the time, then you were still part of the team uh, and everyone was just sticking together uh, to make things right. Uh, so, yeah. That's the only thing I actually can say about it. <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't really a, a main part of it. I want to hear about your your debut with the national team, 2016. I remember only playing first half. <laughs> uh, and it was against Iceland. Uh, and they're a really aggressive team. So it was actually a hard game to play in. Uh, and I was starting the game, which also made the pressure even more, I think. Uh, like sometimes if you get subbed in, then you get the last 15 and then, oh, oof, first game out of the system or something like that. <laughs> Where I had to start and like, yeah, I think as a young player, you're also really nervous. Uh, so I wouldn't say it was my best game, but it was... A good game because I got my debut. <laughs> did you keep the jersey from your first game? Yeah, I did. You did? Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm super sentimental, and like whenever I see something that like reminds me of a big part of my life, you know, I can just I can just burst out crying. Mm. I just wanted to know if like if you if you saved that, maybe it's it's a good add to the podcast, but also for me, I think I wanted to know. <laughs> no, no, of course I did. And then, uh, I also, so we have this thing on the national team. So when you make your debut, then you know the thing you get from the other team? Vimple? Yeah. 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 So that one, uh, you give that to the debutant. Uh, or if it's someone who plays 25 games, 50 games, whatever, then they get it. That's awesome. So for every milestone, you get something to keep. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. So we're going to end this segment with you're a defender, you're a a fullback and a center back, but you mostly play center back with Everton, right? Yeah, well, I've been playing playing kind of both these last games. (laughs) But yeah, for the national team, I'm a center back. Why defender? I don't really know. (laughs) Uh, I, I always, like youth... Playing, I always played midfielder, uh, holding mid, uh, or, uh, more offensive. Um, but I guess, uh, I just, I'm good at defending. <laughs> and then, uh, I also like to be on the ball and like start the play. Uh, so that's kind of a, an obvious position to play center back if you want to have up the ball a lot and defend as well. Rike, thank you for being part of this segment. Uh, Mia's going to take over with the analysis. I hope you thought this was fun. It was. But now you get to, now you get to talk football. Okay. <laughs> Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Now we're going nerdy. Nerdy. Yeah, for, for the listeners that, you know, like the analysis part, uh, because the the thought about or thought the idea about this part is to uh, like like you say in England people are very into football mm-hmm. and they are very into analysis even though they aren't uh, analysists. Yeah. <laughs> um, we we like opinions. I mean, what 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 is it about football that you think creates so many opinions on performances? I don't know, but I also think it's like. People think they know better sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> If that makes sense. <laughs> That's make, that makes a lot of sense, I think. <laughs> so, um, but, but it's, it's quite, you know, interesting that football is about feelings as well. Yeah. There's a lot of When emotions. When you feel very, yeah. You feel a lot for your team and, and you feel like, um, and, and football is also about decision making. Um, and I mean, obviously you aren't alone on the pitch, uh, as well. You have a unit around you. True. So, so, but, but I mean, I, I love this question, especially much because I, I think that when I watch football, I can't just watch it. I mean, I like analysis. I, I analyze everything. Yeah. Uh, I see. So I can't enjoy it all the time so you as a footballer if you watch a game can you just relax eat some popcorn and just watch it uh no i would say i'm like you (laughs) oh well i enjoy watching it but then at the same time i would be like oh why didn't he make that pass or oh why didn't he do that run or you know you always have something you think they could be doing better Yeah, I mean, we're like that. Or even if you watch yourself, like you always have something like, oh, why didn't I just do that? Like she's so free. Why didn't I play the ball to her? Do you watch a lot of football? I mean, when you're free. Yeah, uh, I do. I really like watching the Premier League. Uh, And then I'm a Bonbu fan. So, uh, and my boyfriend is a Bonbu fan as well. So we watch their games. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think it's great also that you can watch football from wherever you are in the world. Doesn't matter. So yeah, exactly. Even if it's a little bit harder when you are a woman's football fan. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. I mean, yeah, you can watch every men's game, but sometimes it's so hard to find. Like, if I want to watch one of my friends from France, or like, it's just really difficult sometimes. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about that too much because it kind of irritates me a little bit from from uh, no no it's <laughs> sorry, fine it's sorry fine. for bringing it but up but <laughs> if we're going to go into your role and your position on the pitch i mean in in a way because it's always interesting to to know and to hear about how you describe your role uh, on the pitch and the position you play with your own words yeah just describe the role of a center back and how you see it Uh, I think the center back is also one of the players that is one of the leaders on a team. Uh, and it's always starts from behind, like no matter what, like even 
in position, out of position. It always comes from behind, like the talking, the play, the whatever. <laughs> so uh, I think it's really important that you can be a leader uh, and you can communicate. Uh, and then also, of course, defend uh, that you have that skill to be able to read the play and anticipate stuff. Uh, I really like to anticipate and read the play and read the game and see how the opponent work. Yeah. So this can just be in my mind because, but I have been hearing people saying this about, you know, defenders that you, you are structured people. Would you say that you are a structured person? Yeah, I, I really am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who said so, that? That's right. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't know who, who we were having on this podcast and we talked about yeah. structure and stuff. And then I, then I actually heard uh, the yeah. Swedish head coach, Peter Jaradsson. He was uh, talking about the fact that structure mm. uh, is defend, defenders lead, lead the structure. Uh, but then like defending all the way off the ball when you lose the ball always starts up front. Yeah. That's so, true. but then you might have to communicate from the back to scream yeah, at that's your what I mean. teammates to yeah. do the defending and to do the work. All, all positions and roles have changed. Uh, I mean, I mean the last few years. Do you think that the role of a center back has changed in any way since you started playing? I feel like a center back needs more skills now compared to 10 years ago, five years ago. Before, maybe it was more like you were only defending, uh, where now a center back is also in the play, like you're starting the play and you need some kind of technical skill and tactical skill as well uh, to be able to do that. So yeah, I would say it has changed. Uh, also back in like the old days, you would play with something called a sweeper. Yeah. Have you played with yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So that really low, uh, center back that was playing behind everyone and alone. <laughs> like, yeah, alone. <laughs> yeah. I remember <laughs> just that. picking up everything. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of, but I mean, the, going back to all opinions floating around, uh, I mean, it's, it's very much information. We, I mean, if we, if you watch a game, you have to be able to take in a lot of information. Yeah. And, and you, you just said that you like to anticipate the game. And that's also, I mean, a skill you have to develop. So yeah. with the analysis part from all the teams and leagues you have been playing in, uh, how have you used uh, football analysts uh, to develop your own game? Uh, well, we always watch a lot of videos and we watch games back and clips and training back as well. Um, one of my teammates the other day actually said something really... I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> she was like, uh, I never want to walk out from an analysis, analysis uh, without being... Clip, more clever than I was before. So like when I walk out from analysis, I want to have learned something. I don't want to walk out from there and be like, what did we learn today? Cause every time you watch something, that's because you want to improve on it. 
and I think that's really important to watch clips back, watch game back, and then see what's good, what's not so good, and what can be even better. And and also this, how do you feel about numbers and stats? Do you think do you think numbers and stats add something to to football analysis for for you as a player, or do you think that that's just something? there i've not decided so far because <laughs> we have a lot of numbers on the national team and we have some uh, at everton as well and some of the numbers i'm like no i thought no that can't be true and then other numbers i'm like okay <laughs> so i don't really know like it is it can also be too much numbers if you know what i mean uh Yeah, I think there's a good balance to it. Uh, and I think you can use the numbers. For example, with the national team, we use it for, uh, to see where the best crosses are. So is it inside of the, the box or outside of the box? Is it further back or at the back line? Like, where is the best cross for opportunity to score a goal? Uh, so I think those things can be really interesting to look at. Uh, and then some things I'm not so interested in looking at. Yeah. But uh, do you think, I mean, if, if we're talking about that, do you think that your per- own performance on the pitch is affected looking at how much information you have been getting before going into a game? Mm, I don't really think that much. Uh, about like during a week you get a lot of information and a lot of things about the opponent and about how your coach wants you to play uh, and of course you think about that but then going into the game and playing the game you just play the game uh, and then what you've learned during the week will come because you already learned it uh, and then in the game you just play what you see and work as a team. Can there be some part of information for your role as a center back that you can think after a game that damn it I should have known this before the game? I can't really come up with something right now. I don't know. So what what kind of information do you like to get? I mean about the opponent's attackers or what Yeah, like How their attackers are, I like to see videos on them, uh, before, uh, like the front free or whatever, how many players there. Uh, and then also how they play, like, are they in a 4-4-2 or in a 3-4-3 or, uh, I think it's important to know how they play because then you can see where there's open on the pitch to, like, where the open spaces are to play in. We wrap up that section and go into the fun stuff with the listeners' questions. So we have a question from William underscore P98 uh, on Instagram. And we're going to continue on this, uh, the captain, captaining Denmark. Uh, what was it like captaining Denmark recently? One of my first game as like starting as a captain. Uh, so it was a bit different, but not different. Uh, like... You just, you're the same person. You're just wearing a band. 
uh, and doing the talk before going on the pitch. Uh, so it wasn't that much of a difference, but it felt really cool uh, to walk a team on the pitch uh, and to stand there in front of my family as well and friends and boyfriends. So yeah, it was a really big honor. So we have we have a question from uh, Everton's uh, supporter group, actually. Yeah, and their Twitter at is at ELFCFans. And they want to know, how do you think the WSL compared to the uh, Danish league, Kvindeliga? Uh, well, there's a big difference. <laughs> uh, I mean, the WSL is... I think one of the best leagues in the world for women's. Uh, and I came here because I want to play against the best players. Uh, and in Denmark, they're still trying to make the league even better, but they're not as close as we are here. Uh, so I would say there's a, a big gap uh, between those two leagues. Yeah, sadly, because I think it would be nice to be home and play <laughs> on a high level. Uh, but yeah. Do you think kind of like uh, this is just a question for me, um, but do you feel like maybe Kvindeliga uh, in Denmark is the same as Dalmatsvenska and kind of more of like a developing league right now where yeah, they yeah. grow a lot of players and then they just send them out? For sure. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think the Danish league, the the Swedish league and the Norwegian league is almost the same. Uh, I mean, in Sweden and Norway, you can play professional in some clubs, where in Denmark, there's not really that professional uh, level. Um, you can, you don't get paid, so you can live off it as a job or, yeah. So you would have to do something else. And a lot of people either studies or work besides football in Denmark. And I also think that's why it can be professional yet because of that. Do you feel like maybe 15 years or something when you feel like you're close to to quitting football, do you feel like maybe you would go home and play like a little celebratory <laughs> round? Kind yeah, of? I, I can see myself doing that, uh, especially coming back to Bonby. Uh Yeah, I, I like playing there and... It's a great club. We're going to continue with the listening questions. We have a question from at Kuhn Abd. The three at the back is becoming more common now. Do you prefer or do you see yourself better in a center back pair two or in a back three? If I prefer to play two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I don't really mind playing either. (laughs) As long as I I play, I I like that. Uh, I mean, with the national team, we play three in the back. Uh, so I'm used to that style. And then here we, at the moment, play two in the back. Uh, and I played right back as well here. So, yeah, I don't really mind. What's the biggest difference then to play a back three uh, and a back four as a player? Yeah, I think a, a back three can be really offensive if you have the ball a lot. Whereas if the opponent has the ball, the back three really fast becomes a back five. Uh, and then it's really hard to get out. 
because then you end up being five for one <laughs> and then you're just stuck in your own half. <laughs> uh, uh, playing two center backs sometimes is also with the full backs low, then you're four or you can get the full backs high and then you're only two like building up the play. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's easier to, I don't know how to say, like shift or change in the game, uh, in the four in the back, whereas a free, you can really get stuck, uh, if you don't have the ball a lot. But we like to have the ball, so it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> good, good answer. <laughs> What complementary role of center back do you prefer most in center back partnership? And most valued trait in that player? I'm not sure I understand the question. So uh, in in a partnership uh, with another center back, what do you feel that that player has It can complement you with uh, that you aren't as good at as, uh, and what what do you value? Yeah, um, in that attribute. Oh, uh, I like to play next to someone who can communicate, but also listen. Uh, I think it's like communication is always like people always say, "Oh, talk more," but it's also the person listening. That needs to be open-minded and actually listen, because otherwise it's hard to talk <laughs> and communicate. Uh, and then also, I think it's good that you have someone who can be aggressive, and then someone who's maybe the one that backing up the person. Uh, uh, I think I can do both, uh, but playing with someone who can do both as well, then you can have a really good mix. Uh, yeah. So, at Rick Pitlick wants to know what's your first memory of something a coach told you that has stayed with you until today. That's a really good question. Uh, it would be easy for me to say the thing that Willie said <laughs> before <laughs> uh, me coming to Everton. Um, I think uh, when I played in Bonby, my coach there said to me that if I wanted to, I could become uh, a part of the Danish national team uh, and uh, a big part and also a leader. Uh, so I think that has stayed with me uh, and also been my focus because that's where I am at the moment. Uh, and I'm really happy about that. So we'll move to at Jordan's Alexia. Um, if you could tell something to your younger self, what would it be? The well, there's the cliche of always believing in yourself and don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything. Uh, I think that's one of the most important things because, as you said before, there's good coaches and then. There's also not so good coaches, uh, that can pull you down, uh, and other people or, or parents to other kids you're playing with that can tell you that you're not good enough. Uh, so I just think it would be always surround you with good people and, and be with people who can bring you up again. Uh, yeah. 
Twitter user EFC underscore Mike 79 wants to know, Hi, Re, where do you stand on the press, etc. saying big WSL or cup games should be played at smaller grounds to make the stadium look full compared to playing at the main men's stadium where the grounds may look empty? Does that affect how you perform? Um, well, we just talked about the, the Wimpley FA Cup final where they had 52,000 people. Uh, and I think if you can get that many people, it's amazing. And even for us, when we played in, at Wembley without any fans, it was still amazing. I mean, we were missing the fans because they make the atmosphere so much better. Uh, but it was still an amazing experience to play there. Uh, and I wouldn't want to be without it. Uh, and I, we played at Goodison as well. Uh, against Chelsea when we won last season and then this season we played against City as well when we lost and I think it's just different to play at those stadiums because they have a history and it's always a great experience even though it's not full uh, so I would still want to play there uh, but I also like having our stadium Walton Hall that's not that sh- that big and then when there's a lot of people it it feels like a lot of people even though it's only a couple of thousands maybe so this is the last question and it's from twitter user at klopp sucks do you think it's easier to adjust to a new league as a defender or an attacker especially to the wsal that is physically demanding as defenders should be more familiar with the physical part of the game. Mm. Uh, I think it's like both positions are, are hard to adapt. <laughs> it's always hard to adapt to something new. Uh, and especially if the new is even better than what you came from. Uh, I, I mean, the, the attackers are better so the defenders has to be better and opposite (laughs) so i think it's it's both ways we're gonna go into the end section which is what i think is gonna be i think this is fun because it's a this or that questions and we want it rapid fire so i'm gonna ask you the question you don't get to think you just get to answer okay okay here we go all right. Um, a good slide tackle or intercepting a pass that is about to break the lines. Oh, the last one. Intercepting a pass. Yeah. Dribbling your way out of the first line of pressure on your own or play out of it with perfect one-touch passes together with a teammate. Last one. Play out of it. Yeah. That looks so cool when you do the first-touch passes. Starting in a mediocre game or coming in to make an impact and win the game. If we say we win, then I want to start. If you win, you want to come on from the bench to make an impact and win. (laughs) But if you start... Well, I want to win the game. (laughs) (laughs) That's the answer to that question. We just want to win the games. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. And start. And start. start. Win, start, everything. (laughs) Causing a tactical foul for the opponents or taking one yourself for the team to stop a counterattack. Stopping a counterattack. Start a perfect attack from the back that results in a goal or scoring one yourself the last no the first one the first one and yeah starting the starting the attack yeah but i mean it's nice to score a goal as well but i think 
it, it's more obvious that I would start the, the attack than score the goal <laughs> in my position. Well, that's a wrap. This was really fun. I hope you had fun and you enjoyed this. I did. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was really fun to have you on and talk football, Denmark, your love for Brumby and <laughs> much more. Yeah. And we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for being here with us and being a part of this podcast. Thank you for having me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.